podcast. I am Lanise Collier and I am your host. We are creeping up upon 100 guys. We're going to do something special for our 100 episode. Of course, I can't start any podcast without acknowledging our amazing sponsor. Um, this episode is actually sponsored by the Alumni Group. They host the dopest brunches, day parties, happy hours, and international trips for black professionals in NYC and L.A. Founded by Frandy N., the Alumni Group brings together NYC's dopest people to network and twerk at the same damn time. Over dope beats and bottomless mimosas, they are planning a trip to Navril, Jamaica this December, so make sure you guys um, book ASAP and follow the Alumni Group. So today I have with me Sean, the creator. He is a celebrity stylist and image consultant. He is the owner of the Sean Kirk Fashion Consulting, specializing in fashion productions, including but not limited to photo shoots, visuals, fashion shows, runway, TV and moving, costuming. Sean has worked with Young and May, Cardi B, Offset, Black China, French Montana, Casanova, you name it. So Sean, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, thank you for having me. All right, great, great. So I like to kick off every episode with just like a little icebreaker. Um, and I love this icebreaker for stylists. It's called This or That, okay? Okay. All right, so are you uh, bucket hats or fedoras? Bucket hats. Uh, straight leg or flare leg? Straight leg. Um, for women, the like the under boob or the side boob? Uh... <laughs> Under, give me under boob. Yeah, under boob. Okay. V necks or crew necks? Crew necks all day. Crew necks all day. Nikes or Adidas? Nike. Got it. Perfect. So, Sean, why don't you just tell, start off by just telling me a little bit about where you're from. Oops. Where you're from, um, you know, what, what got you into fashion and was it like a career change for you or was it something that you always knew that you would be into growing up? And so I just wanted to learn a little bit about yourself. Okay, okay. Um, I'm originally from Philadelphia, born and raised. I went to, um, I attended and graduated from Cheney University, first HBCU in Pennsylvania. Amazing. And I studied radio, TV, broadcasting. I was never in the fashion growing up. I was never in the fashion in college. I got into fashion by accident when I took a seasonal job at Nordstrom selling women's shoes. And that, hey. and that sparked, so I'm assuming that you had a good time in Nordstrom's. Yes. Um, so right when I started college, all the way through, you know, a few years after college, I worked at Foot Locker. I was at Foot Locker for about six or seven years. Mm -hmm. um, I've always been sneaker crazy since I was a kid. So I had a crazy background with footwear in general. Mm -hmm. Um. Buddy of mine one day told me how much money he made at Nordstrom. I didn't believe it. He showed me his pay stubs. I told him to get me in there. Um, he put my name down. He called me back for a seasonal position. And when I saw the money that I could make, because it's straight commission, 10% of the total sales, I just became hooked. And then from there, I started learning fashion inside out. And things just took off. Um, are you still located in Philly, or have you migrated somewhere else? No. Um, so... I left Nordstrom. I got recruited by a HR person over at Saks in Philadelphia. 
Yeah, they um <laughs> they came to buy some shoes one day. The sale went really good. She liked my um, presentation and my product knowledge, so she offered me a job at Saks. I took that job, and my sales were so high at Saks, and things were going so well that I decided I needed to move to a bigger market. So I left Philly, and I went to New York City for three years. I uh, did my thing out in New York for a little bit, um, went crazy with the networking, and I got to the point where I decided I could do this independently, and I moved to L.A., and um, I've been here about three years now. Actually, work at the. I worked at the Saks in New York. Um, it was like one. Of, I think it was my second job when I moved here. I'm originally from Chicago, and um, okay, cool, I got a taste cool. of that. Uh, that commission, where that draw versus commission in Saks, and it was cool. You know, for a little while. Yeah, sure, for sure. For sure. So tell me um, that transition. You know, like from moving from you know one place to another, and like having to build your business up in different areas. What does that look like? Well, for me, I'm I'm really a risk taker. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't um, I don't really plan too much or put too much thought into it because I don't want to overthink it and think myself out of a situation. So um, once I made up my mind that I can make more money in New York, I just took a chance. I just took everything, moved out there. Once I found a job, and um, I just went to work. You know, I worked really good under pressure. So I said, you know what, I'm out here now. Um, the bills gonna keep coming. The rent way more expensive, so I gotta make it work, you know. And um, just being me, I just sold myself, sold my personality to my clients, and through that, I just built up a crazy network, crazy client book, and I just you know use my resources, to put two and two together. Gotcha, gotcha. So would you say that um, it's hard to really tap into that stylist market, like if you don't know someone? Um, or do you feel like it's okay to be able to tap into it if you educate it? So I'm, I'm basically asking, do you think that experience trumps education? Absolutely. Um, with the stylist thing, like I said, I've never had a, a formal fashion background at all. Mm-hmm. Um, growing up, I just knew how to put outfits together. I, I know how to match my outfits, basically. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a big sneaker guy, so I'll just always start with my footwear and build the outfit around that. That was always my thing. So all my experience was hands-on. Like, I didn't take any classes. I had nobody above me teaching me the game or anything. It was all experience. It's personal experience. Gotcha. So do you find that when you're first starting out, and this is for, like, you know, just some advice that I would like you to give to new, you know, newer stylists or people trying to, like, tap into this market, do you feel like that it is crucial to maybe start high with your prices um, as far as, like, you know, your labor and the actual service and then incorporate, like, what the actual clothing budget is inside of that? Or do you recommend this stylist trying to get out there, just kind of take the more of the portfolio-based role where they are just doing work for free? Um, I often see that from stylists that I speak to, when they try to do a lot of work for free and stuff like that, it's hard to transition into paying because they've already, well, getting paying customers because they've already put their work out there for free so many times. Yes, that is a, um, a very real challenge. Um, see, my route was a little bit different. I was kind of double dipping because once I saw the potential of um, going independent and doing my own thing with the client base I had, I was still at the store. I mean, at the time, I was in New York City. I was at Bergdorf Goodman up there. Um, in Manhattan. So I was doing the work, mm-hmm. 
but I was still getting my commission from the sales. So I was kind of just doing the work at all these events just to get higher profile clients, just to get more celebrities, more athletes. So once I already had them in pocket, it was, um, we already had a relationship. I already had the rapport with my clients. So it was easier to transition into a flat rate once I went independent. Gotcha. So yeah, when you're doing doing the portfolio thing, it is tough. But at the same time, you know, you got to try and find that balance to promote your work, get your name out there, but still generate some sort of income. Because you know, once you get these relationships with the boutiques, you know, that's a lot of work. That's something that's not easy to do. And in the beginning, you're on the hook for all the product you pull, everything you take out, you know. So if you ain't got the money coming in, like that's a lot of pressure to, you know, be responsible for those expensive pieces. Um, would you say that it, um, it takes a certain mindset to be a stylist because of maybe, I ain't gonna say backlash, you'll get, um, the, the piece of having to be accepted by like certain people not, um, understanding your style. Like, do you feel like it's hard to, you know, if you take on a new client and you know, they've hired you, do they give you a lot of pushback? Like, oh, I don't like that. I don't, but it's like, they almost got to, they have to trust you. If they hire you, they have to trust that you're going to, you know, do what's best for them. Do you find that you get a lot of pushback or did you get a lot of pushback in the beginning from your clients or were they full fledged? It like, here, Sean, you got it. I trust you. Um, in my personal experience, no, I never really got too much pushback. And the way around that was because I would present so many different options. You know, before I pull anything or put any look together, I would ask questions. I would ask the client, is there any particular look they're going for? Any kind of concept that we're looking at? Um, any kind of color schemes you want to put together? And once I get a little bit of feedback from them, I present them with multiple options. I try and do three or four outfits. So they, they have something to choose from. So that way it kind of, you know, gives them more options and they can say they like this, they don't like that. And I have more of a, a roadmap to play with. Right. So you're not going in blindsided. So you kind of do somewhat of a consult, like a consultation exactly. to kind of really understand what it is so that you're not going exactly. in blindsided. Right, right. And I think that's a very important part of it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're not, you're not really just there to, whole pieces you got to ask the right questions as well that's a major part of being a good stylist or fashion consultant gotcha. so I, um our second segment is going to be called uh, it's a success or it's a disaster and it's a success it's a disaster it's actually sponsored by one of our newest sponsors ray and max cosmetics um it's official join ray and Co ray and max cosmetics on july 24th at 1 p.m for the official pop-up shop and launch party come check out their beautiful colors and exclusive new line of products you can sample products and purchase on site they also have music refreshments and giveaways so you guys don't want to miss out this is going to be july 24th right here in new york um, from 1 to 5 p.m at 153 stanton street new york New York. So it's a success, it's a disaster, Sean. It's, um, can you tell me about a time in your fashion career where something went like completely to shit, like it went all the way left and you learned something from it and you were actually able to incorporate something new in your entrepreneur strategy? Yes. It's <laughs> funny you ask that. So once I started my business and went full-blown entrepreneur, 
my very first job with SKFC went terribly left. So I had some money in the bank. Um, I set up a business account with Wells Fargo. Uh, I got my business debit card. My business debit card was so new that I had like a $500 limit with my own money. I couldn't even pull my own money out of the bank with this card. So I was doing a last minute job for the BET Hip Hop Awards down in Miami. I was in New York at the time. And the client, we pulled about four different outfits for the weekend. I went to pull the outfits and pay for everything. And my card kept getting declined. I could not get these pieces out the store. It was a new boutique I was working with, so I had no relationship with them, no prior sales, no prior pools or anything. So I had to cover the full amount. And it was probably 15, 20 minutes to closing. There was nothing I could do. The client is outside waiting for me. And I had to go out there and break the bad news. And it, it was so bad. It went so, so bad. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it was just a terrible look. Yeah, a terrible look. So what did you learn from that experience? I learned that... You need to have all your affairs in order. When you're doing anything with these banks and these cards, you got to make sure you um have knowledge of what your limits are, your daily limits, your weekly spending limits, all that good stuff. You got to make sure you always have access to your funds and have some kind of professional contact in the boutique where you're pulling from. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because you know, even if um, even if you can't um, get the funds secured or anything like that, when you have a relationship with those boutiques, you know, the way I, I work now, most boutiques give me the full amount of whatever I'm pulling on consignment. I pay nothing up front. Everything's on loan. And, you know, they trust me to bring it back. Gotcha. So tell me about, like, some of your clients. Like, do you mostly just work with celebrities or do you work with, like, you know, like, your everyday people? Or, like, how have you branded yourself to sickly, like, you know, strict, I'm sorry, sickly strict, uh, what am I tongue twisting my words to strictly stay in the celebrity world? So I prefer to remain in the celebrity, pro athlete, high profile client world because um, you get to kill two birds with one stone. You know, it pays a little bit better or it pays a lot better. Hmm. And also you have that exposure there as well. So you get the recognition and notoriety that you're looking for. But um, I work with everybody, all different budgets because I also offer a personal shopping service. And um, that's something I'm really known for as well. So, you know, if you contact me looking for any kind of pieces, I'll definitely you know, do my best to know. Gotcha. Can you tell me about um, what was your favorite project to work on? Um, it doesn't matter um, with who, like if you want to uh, share names or not, but what was your favorite project? And you feel like maybe you, you know, you outdid yourself. Like you, you know, you look back and you like, wow, I did that shit. Um, so I would say my favorite and most sentimental project was with, um, one of my longtime clients now, I'm not going to say their name, but they found me on Instagram. Their management found me on Instagram randomly mm -hmm. and they hired me to do this artist's first album cover. So we're doing the album cover, we're doing the shoot in Queens, New York, in Long Island City. And um, the uh, the client at the end told me it was the most fun they'd ever had doing any kind of photo shoot or any kind of um, promo work. And basically we were locked in for life because, you know, it was their first album, it meant a lot to them. 
and you know they'll forever be a returning client. So that meant a lot to me. That was my favorite project I ever worked on. Okay. You don't want to share who that is? <laughs> nah, nah, I ain't gonna say who it is. <laughs> well, clearly they're from New York, though, right? Yeah, they, they're definitely New York artists. They're definitely popular New York artists. That's what's yeah. up. Love that. Okay, so tell me what are you, or you know on the you know everyday people level. Um, if you're not looking for an outfit necessarily, like for a special occasion or anything like that, what would you say are the key feet, key pieces that you feel like a woman um, needs in her closet for the summer? And then what are the key pieces you feel like a man needs in his closet for the summer? For the summertime? Mm-hmm. Um, for women, I love accessories on women in the summertime. You know, I feel like you can... Um, do so many different things, create so many different looks if you had the right versatile pieces. So for women, I would say definitely a hat. You gotta have the right hats and the right bags for the summer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, with that, you can pretty much build up any kind of outfit with the right hats and right bags. The right hats, the right bags. Okay. Yeah. I actually make bags. I just followed you on Instagram too. <laughs> Okay, cool. I'm gonna check you out. Definitely yeah. check you out. Yeah, that's what I do. I actually make handbags. Um, I own a, and I own a consulting company um, where we create products for Black designers, and that kind of was gonna segue me into my next question, which was, um, do you feel that it has been easy for you to source and style your clients with Black designers? Do you feel like that that, that they're readily available and visible? Um, and do you have any advice to Black designers that are trying to get that place? Um, in that world um yeah i would say for any up-and-coming or emerging designers black designers relationships will be your most important asset in doing that you know once you have a relationship with somebody you know, however you gotta go about building it you know you gotta try and reach out to these um different celebrities or high profile clients the best way to go about doing that is uh, contacting their management or their agents. You know, nine times out of 10, the artist or the client is going to listen to their management or agent. Okay. So it's, it's all about you coming up with a game plan and knowing what to say, you know, how can this benefit the client? And you got to be upfront, be honest, you know, how would it benefit you? And right. y'all got to work something out, you know, because a lot of times, you know, these people, they, uh, they know that, you know, they got a line around the corner of people trying to get them stuff, offer them stuff because they get the promo to advertisement. So you got to make it worth their while. Try and spin it to where it's, you know, in a way benefiting them as well. You know, it's all about the relationships. We got those relationships. You can get your pieces through the doors, get them on the right people. You can get their right exposure. Um, do you feel that it's important for stylists to work directly with designers maybe in the design process? Um, I've, I've interviewed quite a few stylists and I always get different opinions on this because um, I feel like they're, they need to work better together. That's my opinion, that designers and stylists need to work closer um, because the stylists know what, you know, what the what the consumer markets are looking for in, in their particular markets. So if you're trying to be in that celebrity market or that costuming market or something like that, I think it's better to work with stylists not on the back end, like once the products are already made and now you're trying to push it to them, but more so like on the design end where like a stylist can put more of an input on what's going to be effective. Um, what do you think about like designers and stylists collaborating before these collections are complete? 
Yeah, um, I agree 100% with you, your take on that. Um, me having so much experience working in those luxury retail stores, you know, I know firsthand that the salespeople, the stylists, we're on those front lines every day. You know what the people coming to those stores looking for, you know what they want, and we have a lead on what's coming out next, what the new trends are going to be. So I feel like um, we have a lot of valuable input to offer. You know, somebody like myself, I'm always on on beat with the fashion stuff. I know what the new trends are before they hit the streets, but I myself cannot design. Mm. So I definitely don't mind partnering with different designers and giving them input. Um, they show me their prototypes, their sketches, or their their pieces and everything. I can tell them what I like, what I don't like, what I think they should add, what they should take away. I'm all for collaborating. And, um, you know, bouncing ideas off each other to try and create, you know, a premium product that the people want. Gotcha. Yeah, I don't think I see it enough. I always see it on the back end when, like, it's more so designers trying to reach out to stylists once it's done. And then sometimes the stylists are not receptive because, of you know, they don't see, you know, any of their clients or any of the pieces. But I'm like, um, it could be something as small as a color change or, you know, a trim change or right. something like that. So I'm just like, y'all got to stop waiting to the end of the process to work with a stylist. Like, you know, bring them in as you're doing it, especially if you're trying to cater to a market that a particular stylist already has, you know? Yeah, exactly. Y'all help my each other that everything, you know, that you're pulling is exclusive because, of course, that designer is going to give you that limited access. So I definitely think that the unity and the collaboration needs to be there with stylists and designers from the beginning. Right, right, for sure. I, I agree 100%. You know, like I said before, it's all about relationships in this game. You know, mm -hmm. if um, if I know you have some new pieces coming out or a new collection, a new capsule about to release, you know, I'll definitely provide some input. And, you know, I might have a bunch of clients that, you know, with the good in those pieces. You tell me what you're doing. I see what you're working on. You know, it's like I have a mental Rolodex of, you know, people in my mind. I know who would look good in that, who could benefit from wearing that. And we try and make some things happen together. So, would you say that there is a a bigger need for black designers? Do you find yourself, like, if you have to say on average how much you actually pull from black designers versus, like, um, a lot of the European designers that we all love and know, would you say the percentages is higher because of the, what they already have available and what the client may already be exposed to? Yeah, you know, it's, um, it's, it's definitely already a very lopsided market. You know, it's, it's probably like 90, 90% to 10 or even 95% to five, mm -hmm. you know, um, with the black designers, because they don't have that exposure, they don't have that giant marketing and production machine that these, you know, already well-established European designers have, mm -hmm. it's really an unfair advantage. You know, some of these um, fashion houses have over a hundred years of experience, you know, in the game. Yeah, experience production. So this is nothing new to them. And a lot of black designers that I come in contact with, you know, they're trying to put out a quality product. They want, you know, high grade, premium quality, everything. Um, when you're doing that at a more micro level, those materials and the sourcing for everything is a lot more expensive. Mm -hmm. You know, so they can't really afford to um, produce these pieces and give them out for free. Okay. You know, a lot of stuff like that. So. Um, it's definitely a lopsided market, and I would definitely like to see more black representation in the fashion world. At the same time, we do have some good people out there now. We have a few good brands out there. I like Laquan Smith. Mm -hmm. We have Pierre Moss. We have some good people out there doing big things right now. Yeah, so I love we're, um, Noel um, and Broken Land is a good one. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. We're definitely 
we're, we're trending in the right direction with that. It's just gonna, it's just, we just gotta compete with 100 years, <laughs> which means, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> so, I mean, you know how that go, though. We, we pretty much, we set the trends, you know, we determine what side I is. So, you do. it's only a matter of time before we catch up. It'll happen. Yeah. So, let me ask you this. You know, I was, you know, I mentioned to you that I own a consulting company. So, and you do too. <laughs> um, yes. My consulting company actually is um, manufacturing and production for smaller designers. So, I offer payment plans and um, I offer the complete product development process as well as manufacturing um, on a no order minimum place. Um, I have about 14 employees. We have a studio right here in Bushwick. Um, right now I have about 300 plus black designers that I'm creating product for. Would that ever be something that you would be interested in as far as like helping and tapping into some of these ones that are just coming out the gate, like in working with some of these smaller designers and they are producing these samples and stuff like that. But I always tell them, I'm like, don't go into production into after you test the product. Like you got to put it out there. You got to put it on someone. You got to see how it cleans to someone and then come back to me with your production order, whether that's 10 pieces or whether that's like a thousand pieces. Do you think that that is a, a good method for really getting out there and understanding the market for some of these smaller designers is for them to test it before they go into the production realm? Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, that actually, that sounds amazing what you have going on with that, you know. Um, having that kind of network is really a valuable thing, you know, because um, like you said, they can kind of get out there and kind of, you know, run trials in their product. They can see what's going to stick, what they need to work on, what they can improve on. Um, that's definitely something I'll be down to work with because I also do a lot of collabor collaboration work with a lot of photographers and models. And um, we just get together and create fun content. We just put looks together and just do stuff just so we can stay active, you know, get our work out there, show people what we can do, you know, just to have fun. So something like that, I can definitely, you know, um, tap in with a lot of those people and get their stuff put out there, put it on notice. I can use it for a lot of different photo shoots and um, use it with my work. Amazing. And, uh, Good. Yeah, I like to hear that. Yeah, because <laughs> I feel like yeah, they need help. Yeah, I feel like they need help. And it's like um, the whole marketing, PR kind of, that's not my area. My area is to create the products, pattern samples, right, fabric right. source and manufacturing. So I can only help them to a certain extent. I do try to, you know, do the whole merchandise management brand foundation thing with them, like helping them understand their selling appeal, the target consumer um, before they start designing, honestly, because, you know, it has to make sense. But I feel like that I get way more product development orders. Like I, like I said, I have 300 people in product development, like creating samples. But in production, I may have like seven. You know, like, okay. and it's just like, they're not going into production. Also, like you said, it is super duper expensive um, because everything I do is uh, U.S. based. I don't make uh, clothes out the country. I don't make things here in L.A. and in Dallas. Um, but that's it. But it is more on the expensive side. But I want them to go for the higher end products and quality and stuff. So if their price point matches the manufacturing that's happening in, in New York, L.A. and in Dallas. But they need, I think the struggle thing that I see the most, like from my summits, from my workshops, and just the questions I get day to day is, how do you know how to go into production? How do I get my clothes on the right people? So I'm just like, y'all got to build relationships. Y'all got to slide in DMs. But I would definitely exactly. send you a, I can send you a whole list of people who got products and don't know what to do with them. <laughs> and have good products too, but just don't know where to go. Hey, listen, I'm down yeah. for it. Like, the more resources, the better. You know, like you said, it's all about relationships. That's the biggest thing in the game. I'm definitely down to help out. 
perfect that's amazing so before i close out i have just one last segment it's called it's a muse um and the point of it's a muse to so just share something that um either inspires you or motivates you or keeps you going it could be a book it could be a mantra a quote of any sort um and our actual um muse segment is actually brought to you by the makaras modish um join makaras modish vip club where you can get uh, exclusive access to discounts new drops before it hits the gram and more um add to your fashion looks with one-of-a-kind fashion accessories you guys can shop modish.com and use promo code lanice in all caps for an extra 10 percent off your first purchase and follow them on instagram so you just want to share um, a, a quote a mantra an inspiration a reading anything of the sort that um has inspired you and keeps you motivated what the hell okay um my biggest muse is travel Keep going. Yeah, that's um, that's what I use. I do a lot of traveling. I hold out of traveling. I travel the world, see different countries, um, check out different cultures, different people, and I just study everything. You know, like I, I do a lot of nature walks. I'm out the country. Do a lot of nature walks here in LA as well. Like I got a lot of inspiration walking through the city. I did it in New York as well. Um, I just use like all those different things around me to come up with ideas and keep everything fresh and try new stuff. You know, it just keeps my mind active, keeps my mind young, and you know, just keeps the creative juices flowing. I literally just told somebody that this morning. <laughs> I literally, cause I was like, oh yeah, I wanna go. I forgot I said I wanna go say it. And his response was like, I don't wanna celebrate. I'm like, travel is not about celebration. It's, it sparks creativity creation and sparks creativity and it puts you at a level because I do a lot of solo vacays. Um, I always yeah, go, yes. you know, away for like seven days. Um, I did it in like St. Lucia and I like did like the rebirth bath and I was writing my book and getting inspired and I did it and I did it in Paris, I did it in Barbados and I always take these solo ones and I was just like, you don't have to go on vacation to turn up, you know, like you dead can go exactly. on vacation to just like reboot, re-energize and you know, <laughs> that's it. And exactly. you can use travel for that. Yeah, for sure. You know, when I go out there it's like all these different countries have something new to offer. There's something I didn't know, something I, I'd never seen before. And it just, you know, keeps the mind stimulated. Mm. You know, you're always finding out new stuff, learning new stuff, um, learning new customs. You check out their local fashion, you know, and you want to find out, you know, why are these colors so prevalent here in this country? You know, why do y'all use these patterns, these materials, these designs? And it just, it's like a never ending cycle, man. It's like, you can just keep learning forever. And it just tells so much about creativity and um, thought process. Love that. Okay, well, thank you so much, Shana. You just want to throw out, like, all your IGs and where people can, you know, contact you and reach out to you. That would be great. Uh, for sure, for sure. Um, anybody listening, you can reach me at Sean, S-E-A-N, at SeanTheCreator.com. Just shoot me an email. Uh, my Instagram is also SeanTheCreator. Shoot me a DM on there. All my contact info is in the profile, phone number, all that good stuff. And um, like I said, I'm always down to collab with new artists, new designers, whatever. You know, just reach out to me. I'll follow up with you. Amazing. I'll make sure I put all of your information in the show notes as well. And I'll definitely shoot you over an email with some people um, that have just wrapped up product development. And they're kind of like in that process of putting their stuff out before they go into production and I'll definitely definitely send them your way and I also followed you from our IG page we do post a lot of our clients and their new products and stuff there too like when they first come out so you're welcome to check that out as well for sure for sure I'll definitely do that 
All right. Well, you enjoy the rest of your day. And as I always say, guys, thank you for tuning in. And you got to stay black. Peace out.